and welcome back to Music Free Static. I hope you're having a fabulous day. And today I wanted to talk about AI and large language models and all that fun stuff and how they're affecting things, but how they're also maybe making things better. Yes, um, I'm not one of those people who sees AI or what, at least what we call AI currently and is flipping out over how it's going to destroy the whole world. Are there going to be changes? Yes. Have there already been changes? Yes. Have some of them been bad? Okay, sure. Uh, depending on your definitions. But some of them have been amazing. And I want to talk about, about those a little bit today. Now, I want to give a little caveat. I don't truly believe what we have going on right now is actual artificial intelligence. Um, the, the large language models that are used for what they call AI is really cool, but they're not exactly... Well, how did Scotty put it in, in one episode of Star Trek? Um, it muds, or as I mud was the episode, was robots and androids are not capable of independent creative thought. That's kind of where we're at with the, with AI. I'm going to continue to use the phrase because that's the buzzword. But they are pulling from a large models to generate lots of good stuff, which can be really cool. So let's dive into some of this. And I want to talk about, first off, some of the awesome benefits we've been seeing because of widespread use of large language models. One of the first things that I would uh, call out are the voice assistants that are on most phones and, and a few other things, right? This, this is your Siri, this is Alexa, this is Google Assistant, right? These things don't work without a large language model sitting behind it, an AI if you want to to do that voice recognition and translate it into something that the your device or a search service or whatever can make use of, right? So if you call out to your your uh, phone, it's like, hello, computer, right? You can do that and have it, and then search for Music Free Static Podcast or, or something equally useful or perhaps more useful, I don't know, right? That's one of those places that, right, you're, we're seeing this benefit of these large language models, the so-called AI. Handwriting, recognition, right, all of those types of things. I use l large language models um, when I generate the clips to put up on TikTok and YouTube and stuff, right? Sure, they're clips from my stream. It's not like I have AI generating my stream. But one of the most tedious parts of dealing with those is the subtitles that you kind of have to put over the clip when you upload it to TikTok and such, right? Well, transcribing the, the clip is a pain in the neck. So I feed it to an LLM, uh, Vosk, I think, is the name of the program I use. It's an open source app to do the 
uh, voice to text in my clips that I can then go go through. Put I don't actually import directly into my clip because I don't quite like how it generates the subtitles and editing subtitles in DaVinci Resolve is a pain in the neck. But I have an output of the transcript and then I can copy and paste in as I feel it fits the um, fits what I'm saying in the clip, how I deliver it, where the gaps are, that type of thing. It's really useful. And this is one of those places where I think AI is really helping to speed up some of those tedious tasks. And that's a good thing. Right? I think that's a really good thing. Let's use the tools we have to make those tedious things easier, right? That Honestly, that's one of the huge benefits of computers in general. Let's make the easy, these things that are tedious in our lives easier. And I think that's what we're, we're seeing in a lot of different places that really helps to drive the usefulness of AI. All of the autocorrect things that we, you can get going on on a phone, uh, search search terms, right? Those can be, be there. Um, any of those types of recommendation engines, all of that can be driven through language models and other things, which is awesome, right? As much as I dislike having an algorithmic feed for something like a social media platform like, like X or Noster, which Noster doesn't have one, it's all chronological, but you know what I mean, Instagram. I like to go in and just read it in chronological order, okay? I don't often dive into their uh, algorithmic feed, but someplace like YouTube, same thing. I have my subscriber feed that's chronological that I'll go into and watch the videos from those channels I subscribe to, but YouTube is too big for people to to go into YouTube and just, I want to see what's new today. There's just too much going on on YouTube to do that. You need an algorithmic feed to try to surface that content that is relevant to the viewer, which, you know, that's what all the content creators in the world are complaining about, but that's what's there, right? That's what's, that's why it's there is to help people find videos to watch that they're going to like videos that are good for them and keep them on the site, which is good for YouTube, right? I'm not going to be the first person to say there are some problems. Okay. One of the issues that comes up is it's actually come up a lot from the, the pair of strikes that are happening in happening in Hollywood with the writer's strike and the actor's strike. Now, there are some legitimate concerns about royalties and other things, which I talked about a little bit in uh, my movie theater rants, but let's talk a little bit about how AI is actually affecting actors, because that's really interesting, right? Sure, you could have AI generate scripts and things, and I'm sure they do, um, and that's that the writer's complaining about that, but... Let's talk about actors for a minute. And what I want to do is I want to insert here a clip from the movie Simone. Okay. 
stars Al Pacino as a director, Victor Taransky, who he is a he's an auteur. He's one of those directors that he makes these artsy films that are very deep and and nobody likes, right? Actors won't work with him. And the movie starts with him having to deal with one of those psychotic actors who she likes Mike and Ike's, but doesn't like the cherry ones. So she demands that all of the cherry Mike and Ike's get removed from her candy bowl. She throws a hissy fit because somebody else's trailer is a couple of inches taller than hers because of how the ground is level, right? These types of things are, are driving him nuts. And he kind of loses his job because his actor walks out on him when she's not getting when she's got a bowl full of with cherry Mike and Ike's in the and the trailer and all this stuff, right? Well, he gets handed a technology that allows him to generate a completely virtual actor. Right? Now think about this. This is one of the issues that the writer or that the uh actors right now, SAG AFTRA, is kind of concerned about. And he sits down and he realizes, okay, I can't, I need to save my movie. How can I do this? And now I have technology to give me a virtual actor. What does this mean? Well, how can I use this? And he pulls it up and he sees, yes, here is a virtual actor. Can you tell the difference? And here is that clip from Simone. And listen for some of those things that SAG-AFTRA is complaining about. This is a classic case isn't it, of, a, of technology in search of an artist. Someone with integrity, someone with vision, someone who can see, see beyond this irrational allegiance to flesh and blood. Someone who can see that with the rise in the price of a real actor and the fall in the price of a fake that the scales have uh, tipped naturally, favor the fake. Someone who can see that if a performance is genuine, it doesn't matter if the act is real or not. Okay, did you hear that? Right? I, I love that you go through this. The rise of the price of a real actor and the fall of the price of a, of a fake, the scales have tipped naturally in favor of the fake, right? It's it's a cost thing, right? Actors are really expensive, right? They, th- they threw a hissy fit, sag after did, because uh, Bob Iger, who's the CEO of Disney, got paid something like $25 million a year, okay? That, that's a lot of money, fair, straight up. I'll, I'll admit that. That's about what Tom Cruise makes for every one of his movies, okay? It's hard to complain about that <laughs> you know it, it kind of feels a little disingenuous but i don't know that they're really looking about talking about tom cruise i think they're at least for now some of the problems are background characters but as we saw in the flash or we <laughs> i didn't see the flash um but one of the things they they pulled out in there is they pulled in actors from from movies that, uh, you know, the, the actors are dead. 
right? All of the past actors who played Superman in movies with Christopher Reeves and George Reeves, they, they dropped them in the flash, right? Now, Christopher Reeves had family. They could probably have signed off on it. George Reeves did not. There's, there's nobody. He died childless and, and alone, I guess. So who's going to give permission to use his likeness in a movie? Nobody? Is he fair game now? Right? That comes to se- one of the second, or one of the other parts of that quote that I just played was someone that can see that if the performance is genuine, it doesn't matter if the actor is real or not. Right? And this scares the pants off of SAG AFTRA. Because if you can generate a realistic performance, something that feels genuine, do you need that actor? Now, I want to pull off of this for just a moment, okay? If the performance is genuine. One of my favorite shows, TV shows in general, is Star Wars Rebels, okay? Yes, it is an animated show. And actually, some of the later seasons of Clone Wars are fantastic. The last four episodes of the Clone Wars, that arc is some of the best Star Wars I've ever seen. And the reason a lot of those shows work is, yes, the performance of the voice actors, okay? But that's not the only part of the performance. The animation is part of the performance. The facial um, expressions, the way they move, the, the way the character acts, all of the visual stuff, right? That's an artist sitting at, at a keyboard building their, their models. Now, while Rebels is, is animated and stylized, it's getting pretty good. Not perfect by any means, but it's getting pretty good as far as how these actors can be completely digitally created and look human. Now, there was an anecdote about Simone that came out in 2002, y'all, okay? 20 years ago, 21 years ago. And the Final Fantasy movie had just come out. And people were raving about how realistic those characters looked. All computer-generated. Now, the reality is they weren't that good. Especially, even, even then, they weren't... They looked great for the time, but they weren't... They didn't look human and even now it's really hard to get something that looks human you can just look at the the models they use to to put Tarkin and Leia in Rogue One right it just did not Tarkin just looks a little plasticky I mean it looks good it looks pretty human he just looks like his skin is made of plastic or that he's really really sweaty He's got a little bit of shine to his skin that's just weird. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Dial of Destiny, which I'll, I'll see what it hits Disney+, Plus, and seeing how well they had dealt with a de-aged Harrison Ford. But you look at, you look at those, and those things, you look at Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. They did not need Mark Hamill there on set to recreate Luke Skywalker. He was there to 
to give a performance that the stand-in could then replicate. So, so because frankly, Mark Hamill was the wrong shape to play <laughs> to uh, to play Luke Skywalker right after the Galactic Civil War. He's gotten a little old and is, like a lot of us, not as thin as they used to be. But the stand-in was able to take Mark Hamill's performance, act it, and they used AI to generate the the model that they overlaid on the stand-in. They may have used AI, too, to help... Um, to help get Mark Hamill's voice back to what it was in the Return of the Jedi era. Because, like so many of us, Hamill's voice has changed as he's gotten older. His voice is a little bit higher. That happens, okay? That's just a natural part of aging. But they want him to sound like he did in Return of the Jedi, so they have to do some audio tweaks. My understanding is they used a lot of AI for that. Right, now... Mark Hamill has come out on record saying, I don't know that you need... Actually, he says straight up, you don't need me to play Luke Skywalker. Now, I think part of it is... And I'd, I'd have to go back and find the quote. And I don't have it right in front of me, but he was saying that, you know, there are other stories to tell and other actors could play Luke Skywalker. And he's 100% right. Right? As much as people complained about... Um, Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo, you know, recasts happen regularly. People talk about nobody else could play Indiana Jones but Harrison Ford. Well, that's not true. That's, that wasn't even true. Um, that hasn't been true for some time because you had River Phoenix played Indiana Jones at the beginning of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. He played a young Indy. And there's the whole young Indiana Jones Chronicles where you have really young Indy and teenage-ish Indy, as I recall. Obviously, multiple people playing Indiana Jones. Why not a completely computer-generated actor? Because, again, to quote that line from Simone, if the performance is genuine, it doesn't matter if the actor is real or not. And that's part of the concern. I would say that we're nowhere near, near that. We're near, nowhere near a point where the main on-screen actor can be completely AI and be believable. I don't think we're that far off from it. I think we totally could have the main actor, or we have a lot of the background characters, a lot of your sta a lot of your uh, extras and stuff. They could be AI, and that's one of the complaints that SAG After has: is bring somebody in, we'll pay them for a day, scan them. And now we can use them their back their image as background characters for the rest of eternity. I can see uh, those actors being a little miffed about that. But we've been using computer-generated stars in movies for a long time. Yes, we've had a performance for some for some of them, but look at superhero movies starting. You know, you could go take the MCU and start going back and back and back. I was watching. Um, Spider-Man, starring Tobey Maguire, a, a couple of months back. And so much of that movie is a computer-generated Spider-Man. Right? Obviously, they don't have Tobey Maguire swinging through New York City. Okay? 
they see Jiden Spidey. And there's a lot of those shots of during fights and doing other things where they have a completely computer-generated Spider-Man. Okay. Now everyone says, oh, yeah, of course. It, it's not realistic to have Tobey Maguire swinging through uh, New York City. So we can do that. And humans just can't do some of the feats that our superheroes can. Okay. Nobody complains about that level of CGI. Now, they may complain about how realistic it looks. You could talk about over-CGI slugfests. All of those arguments are fair. But the use of those models, it seems, it isn't the fact that they are using them to have an actor perform a stunt that is physically not possible is understandable, right? You can't get Brie Larson to actually fly. Okay. You could do some things with cable work, but having Brie Larson fly through space, blow blow up sp- uh, spaceships is by flying through them. Not at all realistic, but you don't need Brie Larson to do that. You get a good, good uh, model of her, and she does that. Now, currently, there's a lot of amazing technical artists who make that happen, but... What if you used AI to do that instead? Now, I don't think a lot of you are saying, yep, you could just end that sentence right there and you're correct. I don't think using AI in that way is terrible. But I think there's a, because it, well, I don't think it's terrible because it can speed up that process for the studios. But I don't think you can totally take the human out of that equation. Not just Brie Larson as the actor, but all of the animators and uh, modelers that make that that scene work. Using AI to take your, your developed model, it can even generate the original model if you want to get real crazy about it, and you can generate that scene is great, but you still need somebody to go through, make sure it works, get all the lighting right, get all that matching. And sure, AI is getting better, but I don't think we're at a point. I don't think we'll ever truly be at a point with this style of art, at least at the Hollywood level, where you could really make we could really make that happen. I could be wrong, and it's certainly that's something that SAG-AFTRA and lots of other people are worried about. But with movies jumping up to three hundred million, to just to, dollars to make, that's just crazy. You're right, that this is why so many of them have to go to a theater, have to be these massive blockbusters because there's no way they can make the money back if they're not. On the other hand, if you want content for streaming, you need to find ways to save a lot of that money. And again, you're talking about reducing the amount of work that somebody has to do. That means potentially you need fewer somebodies to do the work, right? And that's definitely part of the concern. Now, one of the places where AI is really coming in handy for a lot of people is the text-to-speech capability. Right? I already talked about how speech-to-text is very helpful for me doing transcripts and stuff. And speech-to-text has been around for a long time, just gotten a lot better. But going the other way is really interesting. Right Now, for a long time, 
text-to-speech was very, very robotic, okay? You could think of, oh, there, Apple had a voice thing that you could, you could type and give it words and it would speak. And that, that voice was actually used as the performance for auto, the autopilot in um, WALL-E because it had this very unique sound. They, and they tried to match that, match that type of sound for GLaDOS, right? In the portal games and there are some other things. But what people want so often is a realistic sounding text-to-speech style voice, right? Whether, so for example, right, I'm a streamer and I have my bot that does things. A lot of streamers do. A lot of streamers do things like text-to-speech as a, on Twitch, maybe it's a channel point or it's, it'll read out your message if you have a, a tip that is above a certain amount, right? You get 100 bits or 500 bits or more something like that, and it will read out your message. And all of those TTS services still sound really robotic. What if they didn't have to? Right? What if they could sound normal? Right? What if they could sound human? Okay, that's sort of dynamic text-to-speech. Having it sound human is, is a cool party trick, but it doesn't that's not something you could really hire an actor to do. So nobody's super concerned about that. But what about narrators or performers on eBooks? Now I've, I've had a, a number of books that I've wanted to listen to for various reasons. Like these are books that like lesson manuals and stuff I've had for church. And I wanted to listen to it because I like to listen to it um, maybe while I'm reading or I'll be doing, like, I'll be grinding in Minecraft and I want to listen to um, an, an audio book or something. The, the completely robot-driven ones are really hard to read because it's very monotone and it doesn't have the, the breaks that a human does between sentences in a, in a natural way. These AI models can actually do that and sound pretty human to a point where a lot of these uh, ebook companies are trying to decide do we really need to pay an actor for this right now a lot of actors a lot of people who perform those uh, those ebooks are understandably upset because my job is being taken by a computer well good good for you uh so are lots of other people's here's the thing for for a book like Harry Potter, where you know you're going to have lots and lots of sales, right? Harry Potter, Percy Jackson, um, Lord of the Rings, right? These books that have huge numbers of readers, you know you're going to make a lot of money. You can afford to pay pay those actors, right? What about those eBooks that you're not entirely sure are even going to make the New York Times bestseller list? You're not even sure going to make it onto the New York Times list at all <laughs> for anything, right? Maybe these are older books. Maybe these are um, just independent artists, independent authors who want to have an audiobook but can't afford to pay an actor 
to read their audiobooks for them. Well, AI can be that solution to expand the availability, right? Because if you've got somebody who's blind, you want to read a book, you're dependent on whether or not somebody thought it was worth the, the money to hire a voice actor to do that. Now you don't have to, potentially, right? You can take an LLM, feed it the, one of these eBooks and get a, an enjoyable presentation of that audiobook. Again, this is huge for accessibility. Not great for the actor, to be fair. But for those people who want to read books and not always the most popular book on the list, this can, this can open up that library of available books for all of these people. And that is a huge win. Now, I was... I hang out in the Kofi Discord, right? Because I use Kofi for, for my streams. KO-FI.com slash Music Free Gaming. If you want to support Music Free Gaming and the Music Free Static podcast, you can tip over there. Okay. This message has been brought to you today. By... Well, of course, a lot of these artists are trying to get commissions for art to pay their bills, right? Pay me and I will generate art for you, right? This is a common thing, especially in the days of like Twitch where you get somebody to design overlays. Like this overlay that I have here on YouTube, yeah, somebody created that. I went on Nerd or Die and I bought an overlay. But could I have gotten an AI to generate an overlay? Something that I could could use instead of this animated frame? Maybe. Maybe I could have. Now, again, all of these artists are like, yeah, stop that. Pay the artist. Like, I don't have the money to pay an artist. If I want to compete with other streamers, I need stuff that looks good. And I don't have the money to do so. Right? Just straight up, personally, do I have the cash to go do that? And I don't right i was i <laughs> i had birthday money that's how i was able to pay for the the 20 bucks or whatever it was to get all of the assets that i use on the streams for this frame for lots of other things in order to you know if i want to buy a, a set of 50 emotes that can be hundreds of dollars which i don't have Right. If I want somebody to custom design a bunch of stream assets, again, that could be hundreds of dollars that I just don't have. And yes, I could go to some place like Nerd or Die or owned and buy assets, and that can help an artist, and that's great. But if I want something custom, what options do I have? I'm not a graphics designer. Anyone's seen my graphics design skills will know this. The AI generated art can fill that gap but again there's the there's always a but i'm asking a computer to do something a human could have done but if if i can't afford to have the human do it in the first place are they out money maybe but does that mean i can't have nice things because i can't afford to pay an actor i mean you could 
that there are some that would say, yes, that means you can't have nice things. Now, as a, as a, <laughs> we've talked before, I'm a capitalist. I believe in the free exchange of goods and services for money. But I also believe in, I will use my money the way that best suits my needs today. And sometimes that means paying for assets. Sometimes that means asking a language model to generate subtitles for me. Right? These AI, large language models, any tool can be a huge benefit to society. But most tools also have a way of getting abused, right? You can take a bulldozer and you can dig up large areas of lands to clean up, to make more beautiful, to build schools and churches and uh, whatever you want to build, or you could drive through somebody's living room, right? <laughs> Which most people would argue is not a good thing to use a bulldozer for. Well, yes, technology changes. People's lives change because of the changes in technology. AI is making changes. It is disruptive. The large language models were, that are being generated are disruptive. But just because it's disruptive does not mean that it's bad. Straight up, end of sentence, it doesn't mean that. There are uses that maybe we don't want it to do. Okay, things like deep fakes. I, AI has the capability. Hollywood's been doing stuff like this for years, hence Luke Skywalker and the Mandalorian or young Harrison Ford. But having somebody generate a video of Joe Biden or Donald Trump or Vladimir Putin for that, or whatever, being super provocative, admittedly you don't necessarily need that as much in Trump's case, but it's have him saying something that he didn't say can be a huge problem, right? And it's not easy for a lot of people to actually see those deep fakes and identify them. Uh, there's a whole side of the uh, the adult entertainment industry, right? Where deep fake porn is a thing, right? Where you could take anybody's face, slap it on some actor in a in a porn scene, and it's really hard to tell that the ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend or whatever that you just put into that scene isn't there doing porn. That is a huge concern, right? That is a huge concern, right? These are the types of things that, yeah, we've got, there are some questions about. There are problems said that the deep fake porn is definitely a, a problem that should be addressed by the legal system. But the fact that I can use an AI to, to do, um, to do text to speech for me for a couple of things perhaps not hiring an AI to read an audiobook maybe that's not a bad thing for society for the couple of voice actors or many voice actors to do that work maybe it's bad for them but maybe it's a, a net plus for society the reality is we just don't know but I think what we're seeing in the terms of accessibility from voice assistants to um, 
automatic audio translation and a number of other things. Yeah, AI is really, really a win. So I wanted to spend a little time on this because I think we need to avoid the backlash of we hear AI and immediately think that it's evil or vice versa, but because we can't deny there are some concerns. And that's not even the concerns of, hey, we've got an AI-controlled missile and it shot down its controller, which, depending on which source you read, either happened in a military test or was an was a hypothetical situation in a military test. Right? These are things that, yeah, they're concerns. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Let's not ignore all of the benefits that we could get from AI because, well, there's no work for the buggy whip makers. Let's accept that, yes, there are some amazing places for it and it can do amazing things and let's let those amazing things blossom rather than kill it because we're afraid that some actor is going to lose their job. So that's my take on it. I've, I went really long today. I, I apologize, but... There's a lot to talk about, and I wanted to talk about it. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. If you're on YouTube, you can drop up there and join my Discord. I'm happy to talk about all of that stuff in the Discord. And until next time, be excellent to each other. And this is Music Free Static, signing off.